if you want to start by uh, turning your Bible just uh, back to the book of Psalm chapter 17, Psalm 17, and today I just want to look at some thoughts uh, to do with, I suppose, when the enemy comes in, because uh, as we know, um, a lot going on at the moment in life and maybe in uh, individuals' lives in the assembly, you know, there's, um, there's sickness that hits us at times and um, you know, the whole world's gone through a change in the last few years and there are always things we're contending with. And um, I want to talk about when the enemy comes in like a flood and the things that God would encourage us in when that happens. And so just in Psalm 17, in verse 4, it just says, Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. So this is... um. David's saying that by the word of God, he's kept himself from the paths of the destroyer or the one who would lead him away from God. And it goes on in verse 5 and it says, Hold up my goings in thy paths, or in other words, in God's paths, that my footsteps slip not, that I um, that I don't let go, that I don't find myself slipping from the ways of God. And um, I don't know about you, but if you ever, um, I know I have, you've walked along a gravel path, a bit of a, maybe a hiking track or something, and you put your foot down, and for a second, your foot slips, your whole body goes, you get an adrenaline shot, you think you're going over, and you magically catch your balance again somehow and get it right. Has anyone ever done that? I certainly, yeah, you know, and it's like it's happening in slow motion when you do it, but somehow you get yourself back together, and really that's what it's teaching us, and what he's saying here is that, um, it's the word of God that keeps us um, on the path of the Lord to to open it and to, to have it living in us through the Holy Ghost and to know what God thinks about any given situation because when, um, I don't know, our, our own minds, they like to run and when we start listening too many to too many of our own thoughts, um, it can all seem too hard. And it can, uh, and we can become discouraged. But as we're reminded just to turn back to, um, to the promises of God and to His ability and, and, and maybe not just, uh, I guess as our, as our world is so good at, um, narrowing our sight into just a natural outlook on our life and on our circumstances, um, God wants us to, to remember His promises and, when we do that and we treasure the word of God and what he thinks and what he teaches and what he's able to do, then our feet stay on a, on a good path. Um, Isaiah 59, if you want to turn there with me, and I mentioned this earlier, but we're going to read it. It just says um, in verse 19, it says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And when we think about a flood, and uh, we've had a few of them around the country of recent times, um, you know, water, especially huge volumes of it, has got this amazing way of just getting in through every gap, every part of everything, and just it's actually really hard to hold back. And what He's saying here is when the enemy maybe, and, and the enemy takes different forms in our life at times, um, whatever it is that's, I guess, eroding our confidence and courage in the things of God, you know, um, when, when water comes in like a, like a flood, it's, um, it's sort of hard to keep out. And maybe, 
Maybe sometimes there's situations in our own life or people we care about or our families or a number of people and, and, and we've heard some great testimonies here already today just of, you know, I suppose being in a really hard position and holding on to the things of God and enemies come in, in different forms and shapes and sizes in life and, um, Sometimes we think we've seen most varieties, but then there's always new things that, that, that pop up in our life to, to try our faith, to try our, um, to, you know, because God just wants us to understand that no matter what comes up in our life, He's got the answer, He's got the solution, and that there isn't anything that can separate us from Him. And in, in Romans 8, which is verse 35, it, it I suppose it goes through, some of the things that might be our enemy at times. And, um, yeah, Romans 8, I'm going to turn there. It's in verse 35, and we know um, these passages pretty well, most probably. But it just talks about who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation. It, it, it means oppression. When we're just so oppressed, will that, will that separate us? Or shall, or, or distress, or it means extreme affliction and that comes in different different shapes and sizes or persecution and that really means it's just hostility or ill treatment because of our belief in God sometimes people face that or famine a, a scarcity of our needs you know it might be food but it might be other things that um, we feel that aren't provided in our life or nakedness feeling feeling exposed there are times in life when maybe we all feel a bit exposed. Um, or peril, which just means incredible danger. Or the sword or, or weapons. And it goes on in verse 36 and it just says, nay or no. None of these things. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. And I want to go back to the book of Psalms. Back to um, Psalm 24. We'll spend a bit of time in the Psalms today because uh, King David wrote a, a large portion of them, not all of them, but a large portion of them, and I suppose he poured out his thoughts a bit and uh, all that he faced, and and he certainly knew he certainly knew a lot of enemies, and um, it just it just begins. It says in verse one of Psalm twenty four, says the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Or in other words, our world and everybody that lives in it, it belongs to God. He has the ownership of it. It says in verse 2, For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Why does it belong to God? Because God is the one who made it and he built it upon water. It says in verse 3, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? Who who are those that have access to where God is and where His help is and where His, uh, where His, where His understanding is? It says in verse 4, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart and who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. And when you think, well, who are the people that have, can say they have clean hands and a pure heart? Well, none of us could say that of ourselves, but by, by the experience of being born again, by the renewal of the Holy Ghost, this becomes the saints. This becomes you and I that, um, 
it's by the Holy Ghost that if we're walking in the Spirit, we're able to have, you know, clean hands. We don't, we don't serve unrighteousness anymore. That, um, He's given us a new heart. We know the Bible tells us that we had before a, a stony heart that really only wanted things that were in opposition to God, but by the Holy Ghost, He gives us a pure heart that's got a desire now for the things of God. And it's not selfish anymore, just for our own wants. And um, we don't lift up our soul to defend what isn't true. The saints of God don't don't do that, you know. Um, and we don't make false promises. Um, well, hopefully we don't. You know, God helps us with all of these things through the Holy Ghost. And it goes on and says in verse 5, He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And it's not a position that any of us were able to put ourselves in, but God has done that as he's performed a, a work on us. And as we go on in our life, he, you know, he teaches us things and, and, and these trials and, you know, when the enemy comes in, as, um, as unpleasant as we might find it at times, God's teaching us all the time to rely on him, to, to learn more of, um, you know what, there's, there's nothing in my life no matter what the size of it, that God hasn't got, that he, that he can't look after for me, that he can't look after for you. And it does us so much good just to be continually reminded that, um, that the blessing of God will be there in our life, even when our, even when our path maybe gets taken on one that we wouldn't, that we wouldn't always choose through circumstances, you know, but the blessing of God remains. Um, back just one, book, Psalm 23, again. And again, this would be a passage that many of us would know well. We're just starting in verse 1. It says a psalm of, um, it's a psalm of David again. It says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. So he's talking here in, um, in terms of being a shepherd and working with sheep. Now, um, that's not something that I've had heaps of experience with. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about anybody else. I know there's a few people here that have. Um, I worked in an abattoir for my first job. I don't know if that was actually caring for sheep. That's more the other, the other end of their life where, uh, where they become meat. But I, I did work there, but that's about my experience. But my, um, but my wife, Stacey, her parents have done a bit with sheep. And I know they used to give me the offer, being a city slicker, um, that I could uh, help them do the marking and the dipping of the sheep if I wanted to. But regardless of them taunting me with that, I still married Stacy anyway. So, uh, and I never learnt to do those things. But anyway, um, but God's talking about, or David is about working with us as, as if we're sheep, and we're the Lord's sheep. And He says in verse two, He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, and He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And when we think about, um, shepherds of old time, and again, they, they had these two items, this, this rod, which was like a, you know, like just a single piece of fairly heavy, um, hard wood with, uh, that was sort of hand carved with a bit of a, uh, like a head on the end of it. And they'd have a staff with a hook or a crook, they would call it. And the rod, it says it was used for protection. And they'd, they'd use it to um, defend the sheep. 
And uh, from what I read, they would sometimes, like if a predator was coming, they would lob it and it would sort of clunk on the ground and scare off if there was a wild animal coming. And even also if the sheep were going off path, I'm going to head into a direction that wasn't good for them. Again, they could sort of lob it and it would land and bang on the ground and it would make them go back the other way and so keep the direction for them. And um, there's these uh, there's these purposes. And another thing they often used it for was um, for counting the sheep. And uh, as they would pass, as he's counting how many sheep he was looking after, they'd sort of hold his rod out and they would pass underneath. And um, And when we think about it, um, God's the chief shepherd of our life and he's a protector to us and he counts us. He knows us all. Um, we're counted as his people. It's not like, um, we go out of his memory or out of his mind and he forgets us. He, he, he takes stock of our lives. He knows our circumstances. He knows our situation like a, like a good shepherd. And, and then we think of this staff. That, um, you know, at times if they were doing, you know, long, the, the shepherd would have to do a long journey on tough terrain. The staff would be something that he could lean on for, for a rest, for support, you know, and, and, and God is that to us. And the staff was also a rescue. Sometimes the sheep would get caught, um, in something or get injured and it would need propping up and lifting. And they'd often use this, this staff to, to lift it up an injured animal or help pull it out of a, you know, if it was caught in a bit of a bush or, um, it, it was a rescue and it was also um, a guide, you know. It's, a, I guess, a bit like a walking stick. If you're walking along tricky terrain, um, then it helps keep your balance. Um, it's just a handy tool to stay on track. And when we think of all of these things, David is saying, Lord, your your staff and your rod that have all these, these properties, they're a comfort to me. And, you know, in our situations in our lives that um, we all... We all face everybody, you know, when I look around in this room and if we were get up to get up and testify of uh, all the things that maybe you've overcome in your life, that God's helped you overcome, we would be here for a long time. There'd be a lot of, there'd be a lot of testimony to share. And, um, it does us so much good to remind ourselves to, to pause and reflect how God has got us here this far and that he intends to keep looking after us. To, he intends to keep leading us through everything else in our life, you know, that while we continue to look to him. And I just want to go to another story about um, about the rod back in Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17. It's a bit about the Amalekites and Moses and Aaron. And again, a time of uh, a time of enemies, I suppose, um, the different enemies that the people of God faced as they um, established... God's nation, his people. Uh, Exodus 17 in verse 8, it says, we're going to pick up the story here, and it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. For tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill with a rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on top of the hill. And you try and picture these battles, these enemies sometimes, you know, and the number, and often Israel was out outnumbered, and, you know, the kind of battles that they would have had back then are pretty uh, pretty raw, you know, probably not for the faint-hearted. And, um, and we keep reading, and it says, And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, which he had this rod in, um, 
that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. So you sort of think of this seesaw battle that, you know, it would have been quite amazing to watch that as Moses holds up this rod to say, well, look, we represent, we represent the living God, then the army of Israel, it was prevailing, they were pushing back the enemy, they were winning, but as soon as he dropped his hand, it seemed as though, um, you know, that Israel started to, to lose, they get outnumbered, maybe they started to lose more men. It, it, it would have been like maybe pulling with this war on a string. It would have been really interesting. But this is the story. And it says in verse 12, but Moses' hands were heavy because obviously he was having to hold this rod up for a long time. And it says, and they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat there on. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Josh, Joshua discomforted Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And in the end, Israel was victorious. And you just picture this, this battle, you know, there's Moses trying to hold up this rod. And, you know, again, if you've ever had to hold your arms up above your head for long, you know, after a, after a few minutes, it starts to burn. It's hard work. But there's this picture of these two faithful men on his side holding his arms so it could stay up so that they can prevail. And it goes on in verse 14 and it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name Jehovah Nissi, which means um, the Lord is my banner or or the Lord is my refuge. And, um, you know, he's saying the Lord is the place where I can come and take rest and be sheltered from, from harm and be safe. And in this story we can see that, you know, in our time against the enemy, that, of course, Jesus Christ is the rock that we stand on, that we sit on, that, that he has to be our foundation because if we move away from him, um, we're not left with anything really stable in our life. And and the fellowship, the church of God, it becomes like like Aaron and her. Because when um, maybe when we're facing an enemy in our life, whatever that happens to be, and we can't hold our arms up or we're finding it hard to hold our arms up still, God's given us a body. He's given us each other that we can come and we can support and we can hold up. We can hold up people and we can, and, and, and that's what fellowship is. It's why we come together and our brothers and sisters, they support us. We support each other. And it says there that they did that for Moses until the going down of the sun, you know, till, till the end of the day. And in our lives, God's created a, and set up a body, the body of Christ, that we could do that for each other until the end of our life, till we pass from this life. There is the church of God, or until he comes back, to support each other, to, that when, that when we are finding it hard to hold up the rod of God, that our brothers and sisters help. And it's such a help against the enemies in our life. You know, sometimes, sometimes we think we might be able to do it on our own, but we need each other. We need, we need to be united with people that have the same goal, the people who who want God to be their rock as well. And, you know, God always makes a way to help his people. He always makes a way. I, I, I remember, you know, I know Stacey and I will never forget when when we had our son um, Campbell when he was born. 
um, brand new, there was uh, some difficulty with his birth. And being first-time parents, we probably didn't realise how serious it was. And we're a bit naive, probably praise the Lord. Otherwise, we might have been a lot more panicked than we were. But, yeah, he, he wasn't that good. He wasn't really breathing and we couldn't have him for a while. But as he was born, there just happened to be a sister in the Lord who was finishing her shift in the hospital we were in. And she um, was finished her shift, but when she heard, um, you know, Cam was having difficulty, she went back on and pulled her clothing back on and went back in in a shift that she didn't have to do, and she prayed for us, you know, and she prayed for Campbell, and um, and God God provided, you know, everything ended up well, and you know, and again, I'm sure in this room, if we were to have people come and just tell of times in their life and situations in their life where, um, you know, they're in a hands up, I don't know what I'm going to do, that we would just have amazing testimony here. And that is why um, we become Aaron and her to each other, that it's it's those testimonies that remind us, that encourage us, that, hey, we're not in this on our own at all, not one bit are we in this on our own. God goes before us and we're amongst God's people and they're there to help us. And Moses was asked to write this as a memorial so it would be remembered that where where the enemies are, we hold up the rod of God. We do it ourselves, we do it together. And when we do that, um, God prevails in our life. And um, the enemy will always be beaten, whatever whatever form it comes in. Um, Psalm 61, another one of David. He's getting a lot of uh, air time today. But it just says in verse 1, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee, and when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For there has been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I'm not going to sing it for you. (laughs) I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of their wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows, thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Now David was able to say, you've given me the heritage or the inheritance of those that respect God and his name. And what is the, what is the inheritance of people that respect God and his name? The inheritance is its blessing, its testimony, its healing, its power. Wherever people um, respect God's name and, 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 and fear him and walk in his ways, the power of God is there. And he was saying that became um, his heritage. And it goes on and says, Thou will prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide uh, before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. And, you know, he's saying, look, despite um, opposition, He's saying, as the king, I, daily I perform my vows, all the things I've said to God that I will, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to continue my service to you despite my circumstances. And you try and imagine David's life, you know, as a king with the responsibility of this entire nation of people. You know, there would have been all the practical things, plus, most importantly, leading them spiritually and all kinds of pressures from within the kingdom of God, you know, from within his people, but also from without, also from, you know, the attack of the the enemy invading the kingdom. Incredible pressure at times. 
And he was admitting really in his prayer that sometimes he gets overwhelmed, it gets too much. But he acknowledged that his answer, it was, it was in the Lord, it was in God. And that he was, the Lord was his shelter, the Lord was his fortress. And he knew the blessing of staying faithful to God, although he made his mistakes. And he knew not to withdraw and to hide from his responsibilities um, to the Lord and to the people of God. But like he says, he um, he said he, he didn't lose his joy, he continued to sing and he continued to perform his vows. That daily he continued to perform his promises and commitment to God and to his people. And um, it's a really important thing for us that, um, you know, that when when we went through the waters of baptism, when we received the Holy Ghost, that we, you know, we it was before the Lord that we'd have a new way of life and that we'd follow him. And, you know, we all know that um, when the enemy comes in in our life, that sometimes that first reaction, that first response is to, to withdraw a bit, you know, maybe to pull back um, from God because we feel overwhelmed. And this is what David is David is saying, you know, but he learnt and discovered the answer was that daily just to keep going because as he kept going, despite how he was feeling or being overwhelmed, he's continued to see the hand of God, the blessing, the heritage, the inheritance of God in his life. And as a great example for us now today, you know, that as we... As we're in the days that we live now, and who, you know, we always say, who knows how long we have left on this earth? Who knows what's yet to happen? But, um, being together, you know, being reminded, encouraging one another, and uh, reminding each other of the promises of God, and being in service to one another, and in service to the Lord, there's incredible blessing for our life in it. And, our, our enemies that, you know, what, as I said, whatever form they come in, and to overcome them, is actually always easier when we're still in, we're still committed to the Lord and still in service to Him and His people somehow than when we withdraw back into ourselves. And it sometimes it goes right against our nature. It's the last thing we want to do, but it's, that's where the blessing of God lies. Psalm 139. David again, starting in verse 1. It says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me, Thou hast not, thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. How much does God know? Does He really know about our life? David's saying here, you know, when I go to sleep and when I wake up every single day, you, you know exactly when that is. He says, you understand my thoughts afar off. You know what I'm thinking, even before I think it. He says, you compassed me, my path, and my lying lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. You know every single thing I do. In verse 4 it says, For there is not a word in my tongue, but, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Before a word even comes onto our tongue, God already knows what it is. This is the God we're dealing with in our life. This is, I guess, his uh, amazing power and majesty and, and an understanding of us. He says in verse 5, Thou hast beset me, Behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. In other words, you have a, you hem me in from behind and from in front. Uh, he, he encircles us. He says in verse six, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. And, and I suppose as David's really trying to contemplate this, he said, I just, 
I just can't ha- understand how this could be with my life, how that you could have this level of detail, not just for me, but for everyone, for all your people. He says, where shall I go from thy spirit, or where shall I free, flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in hell or in Sheol, it means the place where all people go in the, in the ground when we die, behold, you were there. And God, he just wants to continually remind us that we are never facing this life on our own. God is there. You know, if we are one of the Lords, he is so intertwined with our lives and that we just, we just need reminding. We need continual reminding because, um, we're in the most advertised and, um, you know, I suppose media dominant world we've ever been in. You know, we're just constantly getting information from, from everywhere, but, but none of it from this world is reminding of uh, us of these things. That, that we're not ever on our own, that God, He doesn't have limitations, that our enemies, you know, as we continue to hold God up in our life, um, we're going to be made victorious. We're going to be brought right through, even to the very end of our lives, whenever that comes. And, you know, sometimes that takes us by surprise that sometimes we feel that people's lives should have longer than they have, you know. I won't say, um, no, I won't say the other way around. But, um, you know, we, we just don't understand. We don't understand God's timing. And, and God says he knows our, our, you know, he set a bounds for our life that we cannot pass. And in 1 Corinthians 15, we'll just turn there for a finishing thought. It talks about the last enemy of our life. And it says in 1 Corinthians 15, um, verse 22, and there's a, there's a whole lot we could probably read out of this passage, but it says, for as in Adam um, all die. In other words, after just that natural birth and the natural line of Adam and, and, the, and the transgression that Adam made and Eve through disobeying God, everyone from that was bound to die a, a natural life. And it says, even so, in Christ shall we all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ is the first fruits because he was the first one risen from the dead, born from among the dead. And it says, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. So his saints, his people, when Jesus Christ comes back. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For God's people, for us, for the saints, even that enemy, you know, even at times, you know, can grieve us so much when we care for people and, and, you know, and we don't know the situation of their life and we have, at times we have loved, loved ones passed away, both within the fellowship and without. But God is, got a plan and purpose on this earth in the in the realm to come in your life in more life in my life to abolish death through Jesus Christ so that when we pass from this life it's not the end that there is a future to spend with him and it's it's a hard it's a hard one to see in our natural eyes we we, we know it to be true but we don't understand what it looks like and God's just trying to remind us all the time take hope take courage I've got your life. 
I'll see you through your problems. I'll see you through your difficulties. And even to the point of when it comes even to death, I've got an answer for that. I've even conquered that through my son, Jesus Christ. And so as we just continue continue to fellowship together, as we continue to share testimony with each other and we encourage each other, what a future we have. You know, and um, keep... Let's just keep being Aaron and her to each other, to that brothers and sisters. When you know, when when we know and, and we see it, we see the care in our assembly when people are struggling. There's there's prayer, there's help. We hold up, we hold up brothers and sisters' arms to, to hold up the rod of God to keep fighting, because well, the rewards the rewards worth it. Amen. Amen.